0: Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. Well, you know, we, um, we've been in something this Christmas, kind of really for the month of December, and the title of it has been A Thrill of Hope. And some people ask, you know, and I've had people ask me, say, how do you guys come up with your sermons, or how do you come up with that? Is, you know, we just pray, and what we know is we know that God personally knows every one of us and what we're dealing with in our life. How many of you know? And we just pray, and and all the way back in October, just this reoccurring theme just kept bubbling up. And it was the term, a thrill of hope. And, you know, there's a Christmas carol that has a thrill of hope. But when you look at the statement or you think about the statement, a thrill of hope is what it is. And and I think all of us can relate to this, even a a little child, when it's like, oh, I want to do this. And their parents say, we're going to do this. There is a thrill of that hope coming to pass in in their lives. And so when you look, when you think about it, is to understand the context of a thrill of hope. It's important that we understand that when God uses the word in the Bible, a thrill of hope, or hope, we could just use that term, hope in the Bible, and the world we live in uses the term hope, realize that it's very, very different. Godly hope and the world's hope, and I'm not putting that down at all, but the world's hope or the way that the World celebrates hope is different. It's not bad. It's just different. And if I could put it to you in eating terms, I like to use food analogies, but if I could put it to you in eating terms, it would be like this. It would be like the only Mexican food you ever ate in your entire life was Taco Bell. And someone told you that Taco Bell was the best Mexican food in the world. And so to you, you, when someone said um, Mexican food, you thought Taco, Now, how many of us that know real Mexican food, when we hear Taco Bell, we go like this? How many of you know what I'm saying? we look and we're like, that is not. And see, that's kind of the way hope is, is that we've been trained in a world that this is what hope is. And let me just tell you, Taco Bell is okay if there's nothing else. Are you with me? There's there's nothing else. And worldly hope, if you think about worldly hope, is what it is. And I'm just going to give you kind of a a loose definition, but before I do, I realize that this is a generalization and that, that when I bring up the word um, hope, to each and every person here, it's kind of based a lot of times on our personality and our experiences and the way that we're wound. When I bring up the word hope, the people that are maybe wound a little bit half empty, you know what I'm saying? That affects how they see hope versus the people that are half full, that affects how they see hope. And then you have all of the varying degrees in between. But generally speaking, when we talk about Hope and from the natural perspective, is we have a belief of something positive that is based on our desires, plans that we have, maybe natural. Evidences and circumstances moving our life in that direction, and so we've got a natural hope that is there. We have a desire, and we believe, and so what we've done is we've planned, we've measured, we've maybe even manipulated a little bit to make that thing happen. How many of you are with me on that? Say amen, and then or may and and we're observing and we're assessing, and maybe we've worked hard naturally, um, for and and we're just looking and we've got this hope and we're saying, yes, you know, this is going to happen. And we've got hope because of all of those natural things that have kind of lined up in our desires. But godly hope is this. Godly hope is first, we have a relationship with God. That's first. When we talk about God, Leo, we have a relationship with God. Second is we believe in his love and his goodness toward us. That I not only have a relationship, but I believe in God's love and his goodness toward me. And we then we have a desire or a need within our life. And then what happens is, is we believe, believe that not, God, not only God can meet the need, but God wants to meet the need. See, there's a big difference there that God wants to meet the need, and what it does is it produces hope on the inside of us. There's a hope that's on the inside of us, and so then we start working toward or applying ourselves toward that particular thing happening. Our belief has come from a knowledge of God's will, it, you know, either from his word or maybe we've had a personal experience and he's led us in our life, is sometimes in our life is we'll find out God's will in an area by his word. And we see it other times where it may be in our personal devotion or in our prayer life. I remember the Lord never, I said, Lord, I I want a hot wife. And I mean, he didn't tell me who it was, but I was looking. How many of you are with me on that? I was looking, and then when I saw my wife, I said, oh, uh uh-huh, how many of you are with me? And I was like, oh, that's her right there, that's her. The Lord never spoke to me and said, marry Jill, but I said, Lord, I want a wife, and Oh, she checks them all. How many of you are with me on that? And so and so then what it did is it caused me to, it was the Lord leading in my desires there. And then we stepped in, and here we are 36 years later, and four kids, and uh-huh, are you with me? <laughs> and but what but when you think about it is this, is our belief it has come from either knowledge of his word or our personal time. And we've prayed, and, and what happens is Our experiences with seeing him come through and the closeness of our relationship with him stir us to a life of obedience. Obedience to God is not about do's and don'ts. It's not about regulations. It's not about obedience to God is I have a relationship with him and what I know is his ways work and what I equally know is everything I do against his ways just screws my life up and so it stirs obedience in my heart toward him in my life see this hope it's kind of like if i could give you a picture is it's like a tree That when you look at a tree, it starts about here. But the longer it goes, the bigger it gets, the stronger it gets. And what happens is, is over time, based on us seeing God come through in our areas of hope, over and over and over again, it frees us from being controlled by natural hope only. It frees us from living the life where we are governed like the rest of the world around us. But what I have noticed is it usually has seasons that and when you think about it, that are, they're, they're independent and they've, uh, maybe that what we're desiring and there's circumstances. If I, if I could put it plainly is the odds are against us and it's difficult and it's hard on us. But what we must realize is it always, it almost always becomes the most rewarding thing to us because it totally transforms the way that we see life and the way that we live life because we hoped and, it's like naturally didn't look like it. And the odds were stacked against us. And we just said, Lord, I'm going to anchor on your word and I don't feel like it. God, it doesn't look like it, but I'm just going to trust you. And what happens is, is God comes through and it transforms our soul. It transforms the way we see life. It transforms the way we respond to life. This is why when David was facing Goliath and he was just a kid, the Bible says all of Israel fled before Goliath. But what David did is He said, God gave me the lion when that thing could have kicked my butt. God gave me the bear when it could have eaten my lunch. Who is this Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? The tree had grown. The trust had grown. And now it was a level of freedom in in God and in, in God's word. And what we've got to realize is this, is natural hope or what I'll call Taco Bell hope is good. Are you with me? We like it when it's all, but understand Godly hope supersedes and stabilizes us when natural isn't working out. It stabilizes us. You know, I want a a story, just a quick story. A couple, probably it was um, 18 years ago plus. um, They started coming to the church and I didn't really know them, um, but they started coming and I started noticing them and they were just coming. And I could tell, you know, um, nothing jazzes pastors more than seeing people grow in God. Nothing fires us up more than seeing people get hold of the Lord in their life and you can see the life on them. Well, this couple, I didn't know it. They weren't married, but they were living together. But they got hold of God. And when they got a hold of God, the next thing they did is they're like, okay, we've been living together seven years. We need to get married. How many of you are with me on that? Nobody is. Okay, we'll just stay here for a little while. <laughs> how, many, how many of you are with me on that? Okay, well, six of us. That's really awesome. I know the online crowd is way more spiritual, y'all, than we are this morning in here. How many of us are on the same page with that? You know, and so, and so they 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 went and they got married and they were just um, love God and I could just see they're committed to the Lord and and reading their Bible and praying and just you know serving the Lord and, and doing everything. And they got hold of the principle, and, and mind you, they were both kind of, uh, they are both have their own jobs and their own thing, and they did fine. You know, they weren't like super, but they were fine. And they got hold of the principle or the promise in Malachi 3 of tithing that, that the Lord said that he would rebuke the devourer and pour out a blessing on them that they wouldn't have room to receive. They got hold of that. And when they got hold of that, I don't mean they kind of like hoped it, they got a hold of that principle that, God, you said, if I'll do this, that you will bless me beyond what I could ever do on my own. Right. And I'm telling you, I watched them go through some seasons and some times where things were tight, whatever, whatever, but they just kept putting the Lord first. About two or three years ago, they came to me, and they said, Pastor Mike, I just want to say something. They said, our life is beyond what we could ever have imagined. I mean, and they were serious. Literally beyond, we are blessed beyond what we could have ever imagined in our life right now. And what we want you to know is if there's anybody that hasn't got hold of trusting God in this area, we would like to talk to them. (laughs) And I was like, yo, how many of you know that's a testimony? (laughs) That's a testimony. But what it is, is they went all in and they love God, and, they, and, and what happens is, is they had a hope, and that hope was tested, but over the period of time, you talk about freedom and blessing in their life, Is it, and I think in our lives sometimes what we've got to understand is that God is a God that he wants to deposit a hope on the inside of us that is independent of our circumstances, that when circumstances change, When things go down, when things happen, we don't respond like the world. And I want to be clear. I like worldly hope. Are you with me? I like planning and measuring and all that stuff coming to pass. But I have found out life don't go that way. There are times and God is saying, you got to understand. Look at what it says in Romans 15, 13. It says, now may God the inspiration and fountain of hope. Look at that statement. God said, I am the inspiration and I'm the fountain of hope. A fountain is something that's just bubbling up, bubbling up. God said, that's me. Look at what he said. He said, he'll fill you with to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. I like that. That's one of those you can just kind of put it in the bank and just be like, Lord, I want that one on me. See, God is a God of hope. Our hope in him, it what we've got to realize, and our hope in his ways, it inspires obedience in our life. On our worst day, what God is wanting to do is inspire hope in us. On our most difficult situation, what God is wanting to do is inspire hope on the inside of us. I want you to think about this for a moment and just flash back to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter. 3 how many of you if you were God would have been ticked at Adam and Eve how many of you know what I'm saying you did everything all they had to do was name the animals and just do what you said and they commit high treason and they totally go against you how many of you would have showed up with a switch how many of you know what I'm saying you would have been like, you, you know, it figuratively, but you would have showed up. What I want you to notice what God did is after he is pronouncing judgment on Satan and a curse on Satan, he shifts and he begins to talk with Eve in Genesis 3, 15. He said, and this is, he's still speaking to Satan. He said, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and and her offspring. Now look at he's speaking, and Eve is listening to this. He's speaking of Eve's offspring will strike your head and you will strike his heel. What I want you to notice is this is they thought it was all over because of their mistake. But God steps up and notice the word he is capitalized. It is a prophecy about Jesus. Is what happens is, is on their worst day what does God do? He steps up and inspires hope. God steps up and says, "You know what? It might look bad, but it's not all over." You might might not have the answers, but I am good. Naturally, it looked like there was no hope. See, this is God's nature, his love, and our awareness of his love. It should inspire hope on the inside of us. The Bible calls God the God of hope. The Bible calls God, and he said that we have been born again to a living hope in our life, and that what God wants to do is he wants us. He's not against natural hope, but especially in these times, he's trying to get us to tap into what we call godly hope so that our lives are not all over the place, but we stabilize when natural doesn't work out. Are you with me? When natural is like I thought, but it's not working out. You know that a scripture that I think you hear a lot of people quote when they're not making good decisions. And I know maybe we've even quoted or people we've know that said, judge not. Jesus said, judge not. How many of you know what I'm saying? Don't judge me, don't judge me. You know, that if you, how many of you are with me on that? You know what I'm saying? Judge not, you're judging me, brother, sister, brother. You know what I'm saying? But if you look up that scripture in, in the word judge in the original Greek, it's a very different meaning than our common English. If you look it up in the Greek, a more accurate translation would be to condemn, condemnation, or incarcerate like in prison, and be be without hope to escape. When Jesus said don't judge, what he was saying is he's saying don't you condemn people and treat them as though there is no hope. And then if you look at verse two, he rolls right into it, and he says that with the judgment or the condemnation, that you judge, he said, it will be measured back. And with the measure that you meet, it will be measured unto you. God said, realize this, that if you disperse hope over other people, you will have hope in your own life. Because you're in charge of that measuring stick. When we see God using the word hope in the Bible, it almost always comes against something that is very adverse, it is very difficult, and naturally, it's against incredible odds. That's the way God is. And I don't like this, but I have noticed this. God loves the odds to be stacked against him. He just loves it. I'm like, God, I don't love it. He's like, I know you don't. But I want to teach you that when the odds are stacked against you and you're in me, you can overcome and it will liberate your soul. It will liberate your way of thinking. I mean, think about it. I just gave you Adam and Eve last week. Micah preached on Abraham. Abraham. Totally stacked. Every time Abraham got depressed, God would say, go outside your tent and look at the stars. Again. Okay. He looked. He said, see all those stars? Those are going to be your de- your descendants are going to be that many. Look at the sands of the seashore. See the, sea- the sand just as they're innumerable. He said, I mean, you see this over and over. Moses, the children of Israel, are in bondage. And God said, oh, Guess what? I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Say what, God? Have you looked where we're at and what's going on? God's like, yes, He is a God of hope. Joshua and Caleb, they go in to spy out the land. He sent 12 spies in. Ten of them come back with a worldly hope mentality. We can't do it. Two of them have a godly hope mentality. We can do it in our life and in our heart. You see this over and over and over again. When Jesus calls Peter, Peter is a natural fisherman. He has fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus shows up to him and said, hey Pete, throw your net on the other side. Jesus is a carpenter. Peter is a fisherman. How many of you know the carpenter needs to go back to building and leave the fisherman alone? And Jesus said, throw your net to the other side. And Peter says, you know what? We haven't caught anything, but on your word, I'll do it. And he caught the biggest harvest that he had ever caught in his life. I mean, if you look in the Bible, what you see is that God over and over and over again inspires hope. If you're sitting here today, day and the odds are against you. I want to tell you this. If you are online and the odds are against you, you serve a God that, is a, that doesn't matter what the odds look like. As a matter of fact, if they're worse than you could ever imagine, He is a God that will transform your soul when you come after Him and see Him come through. But what He wants you to do is to differentiate between natural hope and godly hope. There's nothing wrong with natural hope, but natural hope will come to an end. Godly hope causes our soul to flourish and to soar in the middle of a storm. Amen. Amen. And I, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. How many of you, if you like the odds stacked against you, you're a little sick. You need counseling. How many of you know what I'm saying? Nobody's like, oh, I just, these odds are looking worse. I'm never going to make it. It's hard on us. Is it not hard on us? Is it just, you say, why does God do that? He wants to teach us that he is more faithful and stronger than anything we see. That's right. And you realize that when we believe that, it liberates our soul yeah. when we're facing things. Yeah. And some of us, we just live our life. If we can add it all up, then great. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 and 28. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant or base things of this world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are. See, God is a God where he's saying, you know what? I need you to learn how to hope in me. I need you to learn how to anchor on me. I need you to learn how to trust in who I am and what I've said. And I wanna just, with my remaining time, I wanna just talk about, creating and protecting an environment around my life and around my thinking that cause godly hope to flourish. And the key word, the key thing is there when I, the key word is protecting an environment, creating an environment around my life and around my thinking where hope flourishes. It's just not going to happen. It isn't going to happen. You want to get depressed? Just turn the news on for 15 minutes. How many of you know what I'm saying? You're just like, okay, oh God, Jesus, take me home. You know, it's just like, it's like just it. But God is into lifting. He's into breathing hope. And some of us right now, I know that some of us right now are in a spot that the circumstances against you don't look good. I want to tell you this, God is with you in it, and you're going to see freedom and liberty in your life if you will take a stand with him on his word and fill your heart with hope. Five quick things. Number one is this. What what biblical biblical hope is, it is a belief about our future that is rooted in the character, the nature, and the word of God. The belief about my future. You say, but that's God. It's okay. You get, if your belief about your future is rooted in your ability, you are destined to be discouraged. But if your belief about your future is rooted in the, in the character, and the nature, in the Word of God, guess what? It'll breathe hope on you when you don't have answers. This is why knowing the Bible personally is so important. We've been talking about it. Understand my spirituality cannot be linked to or based on my boyfriend or girlfriend, my husband or wife, or my parents. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him in a personal way. He wants his word to go deep in your soul, so much so that it affects the way that you see life. It affects it. See, believing in the goodness of God so much that it affects your outlook and how I live during difficult times in my life. And what it is, is that we have to just stop and we have to just look and just say, okay, biblical hope, God, is right now my beliefs based on your character, your nature, and your word. It's my belief about my future, about what is coming to my life in the future. Number two is this, where biblical hope comes from a consistently cultivated relationship with God. It has to be consistent and it's cultivated. It is not an accident. You know, I call it a big brother mentality. I'm from a family. If you're new here, we had 16 kids in my family. Okay. None of us were saved. And we lived in Southern California. You say, what was that like? You did not, we were the family that your family said, you can't hang with them. How many of you know what I'm saying? We were that family. you say, and what I noticed was this, is I had bigger brothers, lots of them. And the way that I acted to bullies was very, very different when my big brothers were close. How many of you are with me? Is that when the bullies were there and they would, you know, say things or whatever, whatever? My attitude was very different based on the proximity of my older brothers. I would, you know, I I, I could even insult them. How many of you are with me on that? I would just say, and they would look at me and I would say, "Hey, these are my brothers. Say, hey, how's it going?" You know what I'm saying? They just mellow right down and realize this that. understand a consistently cultivated relationship with God causes a big brother mentality to come over your life. God's got me. He's right here. I sense him. I know that he's got me. And And what it is, is it's an awareness of God, his word in my area of need. Number three is this, is why it's so important to have it. We were never intended to live without godly hope. Never. Original design. You and I were never intended to live by natural hope alone. We will, be, we will live frustrated as Christians. And what we'll do is we'll, you know, it, it, we'll just drift into this where we won't believe. See, without it, we respond no differently than the world. We just don't respond different than the world. And God is saying, Excuse me, but I'm in you, I'm with you, and I've got you. You know, the scripture we read earlier in Romans 15 13 it says, Now may the God, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with a super abundance until you radiate with hope. You want to know what God wants? He wants us to radiate with hope yeah. in him. Yeah. Number four is this, is hope is measurable. It's measurable. I can, you can, When you get around people that are hoping in God, it is measurable. You can hear it in their words, and you can see it in their actions. You can hear it, and you can see it. And that is not a gotcha moment, but that's an inventory moment for us, is that we can tell where our hope is by us just simply listening to the words we're speaking and looking at our actions. We can tell where our hope is. And what we need to do is take an inventory and be intentional to do things that cultivate a God-inspired environment around us, where we're we're just cultivating that. Number five is this is it's never said it and forget it. You say, what do you mean by that? Some people, their they're God-inspired hope, it just goes like this. It goes up and down because they get a little bit of hope and what they do is they just kind of back up and they just, whatever brought it, it was just kind of a wind or a wave. Like, I'm just gonna give you a great example. On Sunday, I'm full of hope, but by Wednesday, I'm ready to kill somebody. How many of you know what I'm saying? On Sunday, I love everybody. But by Friday, I'm a Christian sniper. How many of you know what I'm saying? Is, and, and what we've got to realize is it's never set it and forget it. Hope is like a garden in August. You've got to water it. You've got to weed it. And you've got to chase that dog that's been trying to pee on it, out of it, in order to protect it. Or you ain't going to have no garden. Are you with me? You've got to, in, in, in our lives, is we've got to stop and realize. You say, well, you know, what do you mean by, you know, it's never a set it in forget it. We've got to have personal time with God every day. You know, you guys missed a super good opportunity to say amen. I mean, I didn't, I didn't say anything sacrilegious. I just said something like, we've got to have personal time with God every day. Yeah. Okay, gosh. <laughs> okay, online. We've got to have personal time with God every day. Online was louder than y'all. I heard them. (laughs) You say it again. We got to have personal time with God every day. Especially especially during COVID. We got to have personal time. The greater the adversity you're in, the greater the need for personal time. Or you will resort to Twinkies and Ding Dongs as to what you're eating spiritually. How many of you know what I'm saying? We've gotta got be discovering and meditating on the promises of God that is watering my expectation. It's watering. God, this is going on, what do you say? What do you say? It waters my expectation. We don't forsake getting together with believing believers. How many of you know what I'm saying? Believing. You know, there's unbelieving believers that you should not get together with. And then there's believing believers that fire you up to go into Jesus. And we gotta be, stop and cultivate that. And what it is is we've gotta do what I know. And when I make a mistake, I just, okay, God, I'm sorry. Whoever, okay, I'm sorry. And we gotta, we gotta do it right. You know, I, I call it self-aware of dirt road tendencies. How many of y'all know every one of us have got dirt roads? Dirt roads. You say, what is dirt road? Dirt road is a two-track that eventually ends in a deer run, that eventually ends into a rabbit trail, that eventually leads to a swamp. And that you, we have to stop and be self-aware to say, okay, I realize right now, I'm getting on a dirt, I'm, I'm getting off the main track. Are you with me today? Are y'all with me, still tracking? I know the online crew is. I said, are y'all tracking with me? Stand to your feet, I want you to stand up. I wanna put up three reflective questions that you can pull out your phone, write them down, you can snap a picture, but three reflective questions and if I could put it to you like this, this is your doggy bag. How many of you love a great restaurant? There's only one thing better than a great restaurant and that's a great restaurant that, that, lets, uh, that sends you home with a doggy bag. This is, number one is this. Is there an area that I need to shift from worldly hope to godly hope? Right now in my life, I realize man, this area has been kicking my butt. This area has controlled my soul. This area has brought tension or depression or discouragement into my life. And I see it right now. And I've been living off of worldly hope, not godly hope, and I see it. And when you see it, you got to name it. Just call it out. Don't beat around the bush. You say, yep, Lord, yep, you're right. That's it. Okay, I I just, I'm going to name it. I'm going to say, God, I need you in this area. This is the area right here. This is it. The next thing is what are the promises of God in that area that I need to fill my heart with? The promises of God. This is my area. Lord, this is what you say. It's going to inspire hope into my life. It's going to inspire hope into me. And the last one is what is God asking me to do? What's God asking you to do today? This is what I know about God is every time he leads me, in an area, it makes my life better. It just does. It does. Sometimes he doesn't lead me in the easy things, but wherever he leads me always makes my life better. I believe this morning as we talk about and as we get into a thrill of hope, you're here and you say, man, everything's going right for me naturally right now. It's just, praise God, I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. But I promise you this, there will be a time that it's not. And I promise you this, there are people around you that it's not. And God is saying to you, I need you to know him. Or if I could put myself in the personal sense, God is saying, I need you to know me as the God of hope, that when the odds are against you, that when everything's stacked against you, that when you don't feel like it, that when the chips are down, that everybody has betrayed you, you just feel like quitting, God is saying to you, I've got you. I've got you. And I need you to fill your heart with what I say about you, with who I am to you, and take a step toward me. God, today we say yes. We say yes to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we say yes to you moving in our life. Lord, we're here and it doesn't matter if we've been a Christian for a week or we've been a Christian for 50 years. It doesn't matter. We wanna get closer to you. And Lord, today as we reflect on these and we look at these, Lord, we ask you to help us to navigate honestly, truthfully, with an action plan. And Lord, we thank you that you are the God of hope.